Uh, it's great to see some of these faces I haven't seen in a bit. Um, and uh, good to see those. Well, I guess I can't see you online. Good to be seen by those online who say, hey, we watch you online. I- I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the privilege of having the chance to speak uh, to you tonight. It, uh, I consider that a great honor, something I don't want to ever take for granted again. And so thanks for the opportunity. Um, did you bring your Bibles with you tonight? How many of you brought your paper Bibles tonight? Oh, we got a few more. We're going for like the, the, the most paper Bibles in a church again. <laughs> that, uh, you know, because we've gone so, so technological. And I just want to, I'll keep reminding you of this. I think it's good for us to get very used to opening this book, actually opening the pages, and get very used to opening our hearts to what's in, in there. So it, it affects everything in here. And I think sometimes, like we said, every, you get on here and you're like reading your Bible app. Oh, somebody texted me. Actually, Rhonda did. Um, and uh, John's doing well thanks for asking but see what happens right there like that's what happens when uh, so too often when we want to just um, study his word or do our devotions or whatever and so I encourage you to get that and you're like well I don't know how to find the places fast enough well, duh, I just would challenge you at home. Just start going through and saying, okay, what, what's, what's the order of the books? Like, if I got to find this, how do I, what's a, what's a table of contents? And, and uh, get better at that because we are going to be doing this often. So how many of you got them here with you? Just wave them. Yeah, I'm going to celebrate you guys. It's great. All right. So uh, if you're at home, you can push pause. You can go run and grab one, and then you can uh, come back and jump, jump right in and join us. So a couple of weeks ago, um, maybe uh, pop quiz. What did we talk about a couple of weeks ago? Two whole weeks ago. I know. It's like, what was it? I'll give you a clue. It had to do with treasure hunting. Oh, there we go. Yes, it was treasure hunting. Thank you. Uh, Frey here in the front. Treasure hunting. Um, we talked about how, how Christ is the treasure that ultimately, when we get to heaven someday and we realize, oh man, boy, did we, did we miss who the treasure was. Uh, we realized that if we're going to be tr- hunting treasure uh, it should be him. It should be getting to know him and, and having that desire stirred up in us. And so, you know, that if we could, otherwise we could do services and we could do Christianity and we'll miss the whole point because it's a person, it's, it's him. And then we talked last week about one of the ways that we can be, become better treasure hunters. And we talked about this thing called Sabbath, this 24-hour block of time where we stop all work, paid and unpaid, I had somebody text me after the service, like, thank you. My wife, she's like, she's in revolt now that I've like put my feet up and said, the honeydew list is off the table till, till tomorrow, right? We're doing Sabbath. And, and, uh, but taking their stop all work and then um, enjoying rest. That we just breathe. It's a gift that God's given us. Practicing delight in the things that maybe we just don't, never have time for. And then contemplating the Lord. And so re- recognizing that gift. And so my question for you is, what jumped out at you last week? Have you thought about that? What jumped out at you from that, from that talk? Or, or what did you, you say, hey, this is what I'm going to do? Or what did you remember? It was neat because I got some texts from some people afterwards. They're like, oh, yeah, this was great. You know, I like that. Thank you for talking. This is something I really, really needed. And then I also got some texts like this uh, from Bobby. This was the point that jumped out to him. He was going to the outhouse, and he texted me thinking of you, and he texted a picture of the outhouse. So if you don't know what that means, you need to watch last week's message, and you will find all the details. But that was not the most important point. That just was his most important point. The idea was that we would slow down for enough time just to recognize God and allow that to become this regular thing in our lives because that's, it's a picture, a taste of eternity as well. And so today I actually want to look at another tool for treasure hunting in part three of our series. Uh, and and this, this, the second we begin talking about this topic, it vanishes. And we can sing songs about this, and we do, but if, as long as we're singing about it, we never experience it. 
It's an incredibly, extremely rare thing in our culture, and yet it is, rare things are usually really, really valuable. This is not only extremely rare, it's extremely undervalued in most people's lives. And what is it? Silence. Silence. Two for two, Jordan. I want to talk about the practice of silence today. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The dictionary would say it this way, that silence is a noun, is a complete absence of sound. As a verb, it means to prohibit or prevent from speaking. And so here's the question. When's the last time you stopped uh, and just stopped to notice the stillness, stopped to notice the calm, stopped to notice the quiet and the peace around you? Has that happened recently? And for some of us, we do it, and then we find out we hear nothing around us. It's, it's like quiet. It's like, you know when you wake up in the middle of the night and you don't hear anything? It's just super quiet, and yet between the ears, a storm is raging. It's like, man, there's all this silence out there, but here, no, it's not, it's not there. And so we want to talk about that idea tonight of practicing silence in the sense of finding a place where it's quiet out there so that it can become quiet in here. We live in a culture that's full of stress, full of anxiety, full of entertainment, full of self-medication, full of emptiness, and, and actually includes many Christians as well. I don't know if you recognize that, but, but it's like Christians who say, I can't hear the voice of God. Or I don't hear the voice of God. And they, their assumption is, he must be silent. And I, you know, maybe that's my question for us tonight. Do, do you want to hear the voice of God? Absolutely. Do you want to hear the voice of God really, though? Some of us like, I don't, you can respond. That's okay. Maybe like, I have, I asked some people this and they're like, actually, I'm not sure that I want to hear the voice of God because I don't know what he's going to say. And I, I, might, I might not like that. You know, we think, yes, we trust him completely. That is our, all of our good in mind. But I don't know that I, I don't know that I experientially trust because I don't know. And for some, it's like, I, 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 I don't even know how to answer this question. Because, yes, I believe that God speaks. But, like, uh, I'm like, I don't, I don't know. And I don't know how to, how to think of this. But I think one of the reasons why we have this struggle with hearing the voice of God is our aversion to silence. That we find silence, many of us find silence very, very difficult. Um, Blaise Pascal, famous guy, he was one of the greatest thinkers and theologians of the 1600s. Uh, he's quoted by saying, saying this, and, and there's so many variations of this quote that I don't know exactly which one is his. But here's, the, here's one of the ones that I read. He said this, Most of humanity's problems stem from the inability of man to sit still in a room alone for an hour. Think about that for a minute. Most of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit still in a room alone for an hour. Sit still alone in a room for an hour. We're like, an hour? Like, we, I find it difficult to do it for a minute. And much of our culture does. On uh, Monday, they're going to be having the, the funeral for the queen. And they're gonna, at 1 o'clock, they said, you know, in Ontario, for, at 1 p.m., we're going we're gonna to have a minute of silence at 1 p.m. Do you know there will be people who won't even be able to do it? They might stop, but it'll be like some won't stop. Others will be like, oh, I, can't, I can't stop. I'm, I'm too busy. How many times Remembrance Day where the thing comes on and says at 11 o'clock for two minutes, just stop whatever you're doing and be silent? How many times have you been there and just watched other people? They, just, they can't. They're too, they forget the price of freedom and just too busy to go, or they just can't. The silence is like, ah. We think about the queen and we think about freedom and Remembrance Day. What about God? Who, the creator of all... The God of the universe is just contemplate him in silence. But I, I, I think silence is something that, that is just so, 
so frowned upon. I used to say, too, like, no, no, we don't want any silence in the church. You know, I'd tell the worship team, don't pause. Like, you just got to get to the next song. Silence is awkward. It's awkward. And, you know, maybe here's a test for you. Let's do the awkward test for you. See how, how silence is. In your home, is the radio always on? Even when you're not there, it's kind of playing. Or is there a TV always on? Or do you have a, a list of the to-dos in your mind all, kind of all the time? It's not, it's not out there. It's in here. You don't even need a radio. It's just there's stuff going on uh, in your mind. Or you got the earbuds always in. Whenever, unless you're asleep, something's always going. And for some, you're like, yeah, yeah. And others are like, no, I think maybe I'm doing okay. So why is it that we have, some of us would have this aversion to silence? Here's some thoughts that I want to share with you tonight. Si- silence can be scary sometimes or eerie. It's, uh, you know, like walking alone at night in a forest or by a graveyard or in your fruit cellar. It's like you don't know what might like jump out at any second. It's like it's just too quiet. Or if you're a parent and you have children and you don't hear anything, you're like, what's happening? It's too quiet. We don't like too quiet. For some, you're like, yeah, you know what? For me, the most scary thing is just to be alone with my own thoughts. To be alone with my own thoughts is this thing. That's why I don't like silence. Because silence can feel awkward. I remember being in grade school. Uh, in grade school, we had this rule in Dunville Grade School that there was no talking in the halls. And you tell that, I know, some of these teachers are like, what? Yeah, you have 50 kids, grade 4, 5, and 6, after recess, coming in arguing about who really won the game. And you're not allowed to talk in the hall. And we would like murmur back and forth to each other. It was us. It was us. You know, it's like, and whatever else is you're going. And also, I remember it happened multiple times. Our principal, Principal Rang, he would step out of his office and he would yell at the top of his lungs, lip up! And I have no idea what he meant by that, but it was very effective. Because it was like, if, if he caught somebody, man, you were in the principal's office next. But he would yell this and then we'd be like, and then you got all these kids quiet. And what do they do? They just look at each other. Mm-hmm. So you can't do it. Like, all of a sudden, the Snickers start. It's like, <laughs> it's like and, and then he'll yell it again. Everybody's like, books it into class. And, and, uh, but what is that? It's, that, it's that, that awkward, that awkwardness of some of the sides. And I think about it in spiritual things as well. We have these, <laughs> we have these strange, uh, awkward spiritual moments as well, like the silent prayer. Anybody familiar with that? It usually happens at the work site or the job site where the guys are like, oh, man, there's a bunch of Christians here. We probably should pray for lunch. None of us want to pray out loud because we never do that. So I just definitely don't want to do it here. So somebody is like, okay, let's do the silent prayer. Ever had the silent prayer? For me, I remember like silent prayer. Okay, you close your, you bow your head, you close your eyes. And, and you just like, for me, I was always thinking about like, okay, how long do I keep my eyes closed? How long is an appropriate silent prayer? And then you peek. You're like, no, they're still praying. Okay, longer. Then really serious. And then finally you look up and they're like, they're all looking at you like, dude, what were you praying for? Every ingredient? Like the nuns in Calcutta? Like world peace? We just want to eat. Like, it's just awkward all the way around. But what I find is that the awkwardness for people praying in silent, it's likely awkward to be um, uh, for those praying in, in public for those who never do it in private. As silence becomes more of like a thing that's like, oh, okay, this is actually a normal part of my private life. It doesn't feel so awkward in public anymore. You know, if we fail, here's, here's the thought. If we fail to practice silence when it matters, when we should, if we fail to practice silence in those moments where we're with the Lord, we'll be silent at the times we shouldn't be. And so some of the thoughts, you know, all four gospel writers document this account. So if you have your Bible, go grab the, go to the New Testament to Luke. Flip all the way to Luke chapter 19. 
you get to the red letters, we say you're, you're close. It's in there. Luke chapter 19. Luke um, gives us this one little, one little nugget of um, truth that the other ones don't uh, record. He's the details guy, though. He wants us to know. Luke uh, 19, verse 37. And this is when Jesus was um, coming, into, uh, coming into Jerusalem, riding on the donkey. And it says this, uh, verse 36. As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road before him. And when he re- reached the place where the road started down to the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. And they would shout, blessing on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. What is it? They're, they're shouting, they're singing uh, his praises. And then verse 39. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. And in the New King James, he answers them and says this. I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Here, what's happening? The Pharisees are like, hey, we think you guys should be silent. The, the problem is that if we're, if we're not silent in the times we should be, we'll end up being silent in the moments where we shouldn't be. And here Jesus was explaining to them, there should be no silence in this moment. This, we'll end up being silent when, it was, when we should be praising. The Pharisees were like, you've got to silence the crowd, silence the disciples. You know, and Jesus is like, no, no, they're actually doing exactly what they should be. They're loud. And you know, I think about that in, in corporate worship. When we gather together and we're like, man, there's joy in the house of the Lord. And people are like, we're going we're gonna to sing it out. And then there's others like, yeah, I don't, I'm just going to practice silence. Fold their arms. I'm not singing. And it's like this thought of, you know, I think sometimes, well, just for one, you can't actually practice silence in the middle of a whole bunch of other people singing. It just doesn't work. But what I wonder sometimes is if that silence, our choice to be silent in those moments, just reveals that there's actually, there's actually no worship here. That there just isn't a reality here of saying, wow, you know, well, <laughs> we have the chance to worship him together. This is a taste of heaven. Let's sing together. But if you don't have that here, you'll end up being silent when you should be praising you know, the second thought is this will be silent when we should be responding. You know, when you hear the truth and the conviction of Holy Spirit drop in your heart and you're like, you know, we want to respond to that. But it's like, you know, when you get your kids in trouble, you're like, who did this? And it's like, there's no answer. It's like crickets. You're like, you kind of go down the line and they're like, oh man, someone's squirming too much. Got they, you know, who took the chocolate cookies while there's chocolate all over his face and hands? We know who it is. And then you ask him, you're like, hey, you know, did you, why did you do this? You know you shouldn't have done this. And, and then, you know, do you have, a, do you have a, uh, an answer? Nothing. You know, that, that's been going on forever. Jesus had it with the Pharisees in uh, Mark chapter 3. He was healing on the Sabbath, and they were like, they're all angry at him for doing it. And then he like, said to them, shouldn't we be doing good on the Sabbath? And there's silence. He's giving them a chance to respond to his like convicting question. And they don't, they, they just like, no. And by, by their silence, they miss out on what Christ wanted to do in their life in that moment. The disciples, same thing. They're arguing about who's going to be the greatest. And Jesus is like later on, hey, fellas, what were you guys arguing about? And they're all like silent. They know. But instead of saying, oh, okay, Jesus, you got us. He, he fix, it, fix this in my life, Lord. My pride got in the way there. Silence. And how many times we have that we're in our heart? He's like poking something. We're like, ugh, we don't want to respond. You know, we're silent when we should be responding. And then third, silent when we should be sharing. You know, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Matthew 28, it's like we have the opportunity and there's just so much silence in believers' lives about sharing their faith. 
You know, it's like this, don't be ashamed of the gospel is what Paul said. Um, Jesus said, hey, when, you, when, when people are persecuting for it, don't let them guilt you into staying silent. Keep sharing about the hope that you have. How often do we have it where somebody's like, hey, why are you a Christian? Why do you go to church? It's like you change the subject to something else. And later on you go like, oh, why did I do that? Because if you're not silent when you're supposed to be, you will end up being silent when you shouldn't be. You know, regular silence with the Lord is actually the solution to all of those things. Regular silence here before him is just like erupts in worship uh, when you have the opportunities. Silence here is like, oh, God, I know who you are. You are the savior of the world. And the next person who asks you is like, you need him. It's just him. That's who you need. It's him. He's the one on the inside. You know, Pete Scazzaro in the book that I'm reading called Day by Day, he observes the spiritual condition of many believers. And here's how he describes it. Just listen real close. He describes many believers as feeling stuck in our spiritual journey with Christ. We live off others' spirituality. We're scattered and uncentered. We're tired physically, emotionally, and spiritually, existing with a one-inch deep spirituality, praying and communing with God very little, busy and not very intentional in pursuing Jesus, and struggling to stop our life on the run. He says many, many people, believers, would, would describe their lives like that. And he said this, too many have a relationship with Jesus that's seriously underdeveloped. We talk to God or perhaps even at God, but we don't actually listen to him very much. And I wonder why. I wonder why that is. You know, the early church referred to uh, this thing called um, the quotidien opus. I hope I pronounced that right. That's Latin and I don't speak Latin. But it's translated the daily office or the daily opus. I don't know if you've ever heard the word opus before. The magnum opus. It means the great work. Opus is the work. This, this daily work is like the daily work of the Lord that nothing else gets in the way. And they said this is what it would be. And it started with some silence. And then just God, I'm here, just me. And then a little bit of pondering his word. And then a little bit more silence. Okay, God, what are you speaking to me in that? And, the, and it was this, this practice for, for the church, early church, the church fathers, all throughout uh, history, learning how to be still. Just learning how to be still and silent in the presence of the Lord. You know, Psalm 46, verse 10, it's very familiar, right? So the, the words, be, the, be still and know that I am God. Just be still and know that I am God is one, one of his encouragements uh, as a psalmist writes. And, you know, Brother Lawrence, I know Brother Lawrence was a guy in the 1600s. You can, he's got a great book. It's still read today. It's called The Practice of the Presence of God. He wrote in the 1600s about how all his life, every day, he was just like, God, help me to see you in this moment. Help me to know where you are in this time. And, you know, we sing songs about that, practicing his presence. We sing songs about it. Maybe you remember, let us become more aware of your presence. Song that one? You know, in the secret, in the quiet place, I want to know you more. Matt Redmond's, let my words be few. You are God in heaven. Here am I. Let my words be few. We sing about these ideas, but do we experience them? See, because the daily encountering of his presence in the storms of life, there are no, there's no shortcuts to that. You know, shortcuts, we were like, oh, is it, if I sing a song about it, I'll feel it. Or if we hear a sermon on it, man, we're famous for that. You know, it's like, I've, how many sermons have I preached where I was like, I know the answer to my problem and I'll preach about it and never experience the answer to the problem. And this is one of those things where now I'm like, man, I've experienced the, the gift of silence, the joy of silence. The, what happens in those moments just changes you. It truly changes you. And there's no shortcut to there. You know, when Jesus was talking to the disciples, they, they were asking him, Jesus, can you teach us how to pray? And he didn't. And here's how he did it. Go to Matthew chapter 6. So just flip back a little bit. Matthew chapter 6. 
He says this in verse 5. He's teaching them about prayer. He says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in synagogues where everybody can see them. He's like, I'm telling you the truth. That's the only reward they're ever going to get. It's just that people saw them pray. He says, but when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private or in secret. And your father who sees everything will reward you. Verse 7, when you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. Your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. You notice a bunch of things in there. He's like, he's saying, hey, this is not, this type of prayer, public prayer is fine. He says, but there is this place. You can't do it publicly. There's no shortcut. You can't get there while I pray for you. It won't happen. He's like, no, go home. Find a place alone. Shut the door. Shut out the distractions. And, and, and don't feel like you need to use any words. He already knows. Just go there. Just go there and listen. You know, to pra- and, I, and I would challenge you with that same thing. Go, shut the door and distractions. Just practice for a portion of time, this portion of silence. It's, you know, we think about, okay, well, do I, like, how many minutes? Like, how long is it? T- it's, n- it's none of those things. Because we're not trying to do something or to make something happen, we're just getting used to being with him. Just being with him. No pride, no posturing. He already knows. You don't have to come in there and be like, you know, oh, oh great, magnanimous God. He already knows who he is. You just go and be like, God, it's me. I got nothing to say. I just want to focus on you. You know what? It gives God a chance to know you. Remember when he says to those people, I never knew you? It's like these people on his left and his right. And he's like, I never knew you. They were people who were casting out demons and doing all these great things in his name. What does he say? I never knew you. Not you didn't know me. I never knew you. I never had the chance where you just said, God, here, here I am. You can just know me. I got nothing else but just me. Giving God a chance to know you. And it takes silence. Real silence to get there sometimes. Let me give you a few thoughts. If you're taking notes, write these ones down. They're the important ones. Silence creates an opportunity for God to speak. Silence creates the opportunity for God to speak. And here's why. It's not a guarantee. It's not like if you're silent, God's going to speak. We could sit, otherwise, we would just come here and sit in silence every, every weekend. Because you don't need me if he's speaking. But it's not a guarantee. It's opportunity. Brian was talking to me a couple weeks ago about his grandsons. They were out on the beach. And uh, he says, man, they go out and they, they, they're, they're treasure hunting. They're out looking for little pebbles, you know, colorful stones, the, the polished glass. They're looking for all that kind of stuff. And he says, he says don't you know? He says, they go out there the one day and they, they live by the beach and they're looking for stones. And, and my grandson finds a $10 bill floating in the water. That was a good day. And then he says, and sure enough, a few days later, they're out there doing it again. And they find a gold ring. Just no, they have no metal detector. They just, they're just searching for treasure. And guess what? They find it. And that's the same thing for us. There's no guarantee that those boys are going to find that kind of treasure. But I can promise you, they find no treasure if they're not out there looking. That I can guarantee. And the same thing for us. There's no guarantee that we just sit in silence that every time God's going to be like these, these revolutionary words in your life. But I promise you, that if you don't sit in those times, you will experience it like, I never hear God speak to me. That's when you'll find those moments where you don't hear his words. like golf. I don't know if any golfers here. A few. Some of them like, I don't want to admit it. Yeah, any bad golfers here? 
That'd be me too. So you go out on the golf course and you have one of those rounds where like you're getting to the 18th hole and you're like, I'm throwing this bag in the pond. This is it. It's over. You know, I'm, this, this game's terrible. It's too expensive, whatever. And then you step up to, the, to that hole and you, you just, you don't even care anymore, right? You just hit the shot and all of a sudden it's like, it lands a foot away from the hole. And you're like, oh, look at me. You know, I'm coming back. It's that one shot that brings you back for more every time. And, and that's what it's like when you hear his voice. It's like, man, I sit in silence sometimes, and then it's like, oh, it's that moment. I'm like, oh, man, this is why. This is why I come to this place. And it's same, same with the silence. It's, not father, it's, it's, Father, you already know if I need to hear something. You already know what I need to hear today. So I just trust you. I just trust you. I don't even need to tell you what, what I need because we think we need, like, the answer to this problem. And he's like, you have no idea, really, what the problem is. It's actually this thing that happened 17 weeks ago. That's why you have this problem. You don't need this answer. You need this one. And for us, it's just like, okay, God, we, we're, not, we're not putting it. We're just, just have my heart, have me. It's not making things happen. You know, my father-in-law took our kids to a treasure hunter's place um, on a on a school field trip, and he's like, this guy has got like the high high tech metal detectors. He finds cool stuff, and so they went to his house and saw all the stuff. And my father in law thought, oh, this, you know what? I want to make this happen. And so he got this really expensive coin that he had bought, and he went out and he he hid it in the grass. Uh, he kind of buried it in, in the dirt, and he's like, okay, guys, there's a coin out there. We're gonna go find it. Well, sure enough, they could not find it. Like it was like it. They, they he forgot where he hid it, and then the machine was like not working, and it was like so. Then all the kids, he's like all of a sudden he's realizing this isn't this isn't going to happen. Like everybody, you know, on your hands and knees, we're going across this hole until we find it. And I don't know how long it was a long time. My kids were like complaining, right? It took so long to find this this coin. Why? Because you try and make something happen too often. That's what happens. Nothing happens. And I say the same thing. In this, it's like, no, I'm not going there to make something. I'm just going there to create opportunity. You know, the other thing is, we don't hear or learn much when we're talking the whole time. I'm not learning anything right now. Hopefully you are. <laughs> but we don't learn much when we're talk, 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 talking. It, do, it doesn't happen. You know, there's no, we have, we have these visible barriers. Like, if your eyes are closed, I know you're not looking at me. If your mouth's closed, I know you're not speaking. But there's nothing to tell me right now that you're not listening to me. Because half of you may not be. There's no, there's no physical earmuffs that we say, oh, okay, then I know they're, they're not actually listening. But we have these internal earmuffs where it's like, you know, and some of you are like, yes, my husband wears them constantly, right? Like, it's, it, it's actually in all these relationships that where, we, where we learn these things where they have, they, they have these internal earmuffs on. They, they, yeah, they're nodding, but you know they're not listening. Yes, dear. And you're like, they, 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 I'll ask them. And they have no idea what I just said. Why is it? And here's the things we do. The earmuffs that are internal is we listen with our own thoughts and response in mind. You ever have that conversation with somebody and you just can't wait for them to stop so you can just tell them what you're thinking? You're not listening to them. You know, we, or we'll interrupt and respond too quickly. They say something, it's like a parent to their teen. Hey, could you? Like, no. Like, you don't even know what I was going to ask. I was going to like, hey, could you take this $100 for me and, uh, and put it in your bank account? Like, oh, come on, that's not what you, but you never know. Because you j- jumped in way too quick. Or, or have it, those people who ask you for, the, for your opinion, but they ask the question by sharing everything they think about it first. It's like, hey, what do you think of this and this? Because this is what I think. And you know, you think that might be right? And, it's like, blah, 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 blah. and at the end, it's like, you don't, there's no way to answer the question. Yes. And how often do we do that with the Lord? God, I just really need an answer. I really, just really, really need an answer. God, I'm praying. I'm like sweating praying. I'm like, I'm closing my eyes. I'm looking up. I'm trying to pray in tongues. I'm trying to do all the prayers I know to pray. When will you answer me? 
Oh, man, she never does. God. Why? Because we miss those moments of silence. Silence creates the opportunity for us to hear from the Lord. Second, silence prepares our hearts and minds to hear from the Lord. Charles Spurgeon said this. He says, when we come to the study of Holy Scriptures, we should try to have our mind as well awake to it. When we come to study the Holy Scripture, we should have our mind well awake to it. You know what gets us there? Silence. Simply saying, okay, God, I'm dialing it down so I can hear from you. You know, I'd encourage you to consider being, you know, just more intentional about being silent with him. And start small. You know, I didn't care. Like the way I started, I just set a timer for two minutes. Why? So I wouldn't have to think about how long is this? It'll go off. And I was just like, I'm just going to be silent. That's one distraction I don't need anymore. And then recognize the distractions. Think real. As you're saying, God, I just want to be with you. Man, Satan's not going to want that to happen. He's going to be like pumping you full of all kinds of things. The, the animals in the zoo need feeding. Did I brush the tiger? You know, it was like if for some of you to be like, that person needs a new water filter. I haven't thought of them in three years. But I, all of a sudden, now I'm thinking, whatever it may be. Because I know those can be the things, right? And it's like, okay, just intentionally saying, okay, God, I just give you that. I just give you that. God, I'm your temple. You know, Jesus went in and decluttered the temple. Sometimes he needs to declutter these temples. It's like, okay, God, I don't know why I care about this right now, but I don't want to. Not over you. Here, Lord, I give, this, I give you this distraction. And then, you know, just learn to stay silent long enough where the distractions just give up. They stop knocking on the door of your mind. Henry Nguyen is a Dutch theologian. He said this. He says, in solitude, or those times where we get away, he says, I get rid of the scaffolding. He says, no friends to talk with, no telephone calls to make. The task is to persevere in my solitude, to stay in my cell until my seductive visitors or those people knocking, he said, get tired of pounding on the door and leave me alone. He's like, man, that's, that's the goal. I just want to get there till I'm like, so it's just me and him. I can tell you, it doesn't happen immediately. It is like decluttering. It takes one at a time. And it's not about this like Middle Eastern meditation. I'm just going to empty my mind. That's not what it's about. It's actually about filling your mind with him. It's not about emptying all those thoughts and distractions. It's about centering and focusing just on him. Because none of those distractions are worth it. And I pray we don't have to get to heaven before we figure that out. Because those are the moments of heaven on earth is when you can sit in his presence and it's just you and him and you know you're loved you don't have to earn anything you don't have to prove anything just you and him and then he just drops his his nuggets in your heart just like those words of of life you're like oh man this is what it is and then learning to just remain there we'll talk a little bit more about that next week but the psalmist in psalm 91 begins his beautiful psalm if you know psalm 91 he starts with this he who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty he who dwells in the secret place in that quiet place and we look at dwells it means remain sit abide and stay that doesn't mean it's a like you know go stay in that room forever it's not god's divine grounding right as our heavenly father go to your room forever for the rest of your life <laughs> he's like no it's like learning how to be in that in that area of peace and quiet and his presence and silence in here, even when the storms are raging out here. Why? Because he didn't say, hey, I want you to call you away, become monks and stay out of the world. No, I want you to go in the world and spread the good news. You've got a treasure in the earthen vessel and it needs to get out to the world. He's like, I'm sending you out to make a difference out there. But what they need isn't you. What they need is what's in you. And if it's not in you, you got nothing to offer them. You'll go out and try to love. You'll go out and try to be kind. You'll go out and try. And all you're giving them is your best attempt. And I promise you, you'll fail. But if you'll just take that time to slowly stay silent and allow me to fill you with me, just go out and overflow. Just just go. Just go be you. And it, I will overflow to the world around you. 
And it just puts us in that posture. I listened to Wayne Barber from The Precept, and he was talking about this recognizing the wellspring of living water on the inside, knowing that it's there. And so finally, silence gives God an opportunity to talk. Silence prepares our hearts and minds to hear him in this. Silence is an acquired taste. It's an acquired taste. You know, Psalm 34, verse 8, it says this, Taste and see that the Lord is good. And all the joys who take refuge in him. He's like, man, just taste and see, experience the goodness of God. In Psalm 1, Psalm 1 is a powerful thought too. He says this, the, the blessed are the people who delight in the law of the Lord and they meditate on it day and night. They're like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit every season. Their lives never wither. And then we love this part. They prosper in all they do. Like everything seems to go right in their life. Why? Why, why is that? It's because they delight in the Lord. They, they've, all, they've figured out where their delight needs to be and they meditate. What is meditate? It's not home. It, it's this just pondering. This quiet pondering of, of him, quiet pondering of his word, just no words from me, just pondering. Chewing. It's actually, the word is actually compared to a cow chewing the cud. The cow like eats something and then burps it up and chews it again. If you didn't know that, and then it swallows it again, burps it up and chews it again. It's that. It's like, wow, Lord, your love has so many facets to it. Let me just ponder, ponder that today. Pon- allow it to become a part of me. Why? Because it really is all about him. This whole thing called Christianity is about him. If we don't spend any time pondering him, we've just missed everything that, that makes Christianity great. And so here's the question. How can we follow him if we never actually stop to look for him? How can we hear him if we never stop long enough to listen? How can we know him if we never stop just to be known by him? And so in closing, how, how are you doing with that in your life? I asked from the point of desperately needing this a few months ago. Probably needed it for months and months. And, probably needed it my whole life. But a few months ago, found, figured it out. Figured it out that I just need to slow down, stop, find a place alone in solitude, and just be in these moments of silence. You know, we talked about the underdeveloped relationship with Christ. Did that describe you? Some borrowing somebody else's spirituality, having just a one-inch deep, you physically, emotionally, spiritually feel tired. Does this describe you? You know, tonight might seem awkward, and some of you are like, I just want to get out of here. Can I just say this, that, you know, my goal tonight wasn't going to be your approval, that you were going to say, oh, this was a great message, or it wasn't. That, that's not my goal. My, my goal is your pursuit of Christ your pursuit of Christ. And I have learned something that in those moments of silence, my pursuit of Christ has become so much more impactful. And my prayer for you is that you would take small bits. I started with two minutes. I started there. And now it's like multiple times in my day. It's just like, I'll just gladly sit down and enjoy silence with him. It's like, that's fun. Yeah. It's an acquired taste, just like pierogies and olives and a Reinekuk, if you're not Dutch, it's acquired taste. But once you get it, you just can't have enough. And I pray that, you know, in this place, that the narrow way would be found by many people here. I pray that the cost of discipleship would be embraced by many people here. And I pray above all that he would be pleased and that he would receive the reward for his sacrifice. That, that's, that's all I care about tonight. And so I leave you with this last thought, because maybe you're here today and you don't know the Lord. Somehow you arrived here and you're like, I don't know how I ended up at a church on a Saturday night. And this, all this stuff that they're talking about, I don't know. But, but if I'm honest, I, 
I can answer that one question. I, I do feel empty here. Like, I wonder, is there more to this life than just this life? Like, is there a purpose for my life? Is, like, what, does this, what is the whole point of all of it? I've, I know the emptiness. I, I tried the self-medication things. I just, I do realize it doesn't work. And if that's you, you're on the right path. You may just not know it yet. Blaise Pascal said this, There's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God, the Creator made known through Jesus. Let me read that one more time. There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man. Not every lost man, every man, including the Jesus followers here tonight. There's a God-shaped vacuum there which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God, the Creator made known through Jesus. If you don't know him tonight, he's the only one who can fill that hole and satisfy that longing on the inside, I promise you. And if you're a Jesus follower here tonight, don't forget that truth because he still is the only one who can fill that longing. And he's called us. He's called us to leave behind the life that we uh, lived on our own, to, to surrender to him and say, Lord, my life's yours. Take me as I am to follow him and to know him and to receive his forgiveness for the past, which is awesome, but even better to receive his gift of eternal life for the future. That is what he's calling us to. And that is good news. And tonight, if it's you, just simply say, Jesus, it's me. And he will begin to take you on the rest of this journey and then just spend that Spend your life pursuing him. It's going to look different for each and every one of us, but spend your life pursuing him. You will not regret it. Can we pray? Uh, Lord, I, I I don't know if I have the words for this prayer tonight. I don't. I, I'm, I'm really grateful for what you've done in my life. I, I know it was like really difficult to come to this place, to realize, to realize those areas that were lacking and to, to grab onto some of these things that, I don't know, I just wrote them off. But I just want to say thank you. Thank you for what you've done in my heart as a result. And that's my only prayer tonight is, Lord, that there'd be others here who might experience your goodness they would be able to taste and see and realize just how amazing you are. I know that some are just go, go, go all the time. It's going to be tough. God, I just pray that whatever the next step is for each person here tonight, you'd reveal it to them. That as they spend some time just in silence and with your word that, God, you'd begin to speak. Speak in ways that change their life, that they become addicted to that just to know in you and growing in you. Thank you that you satisfy. Tonight, as we've spent time just in your presence, Lord, I pray that that would not only fill us, but overflow in our homes, overflow into the relationships around us. Jesus, our world needs you, needs you badly. I pray that we would be those ambassadors you desire, that, they, that we'd point to you in every way possible. Thank you, Lord, for the cross and what you did there for us. Your love truly is amazing. Your sacrifice is beyond beyond what we can appropriately thank you for. But thank you. We love you, Jesus. We love you. Pray it's all in your beautiful name. Amen.
Amen. Well, tonight, you know, I have some questions for you. I'm just going to put them up on the screen. The only one that I think that really matters is the first one. But I had people complaining, like, in our small groups, we don't know what to do because there's no questions. So you know who you are watching online. There's your questions. Um, But the one, just simply, Lord Jesus, what are you saying to me? To ask that question and then just listen. And then just listen. So I invite you, you know, maybe in this place we'll have some quiet music playing or whatever, or maybe it's going to be somewhere later where you have a time to actually be quiet, which would be great, because I know it's going to be really tough to do that tonight when my next announcement is made. So we have surprise ice cream Sunday Saturday happening right now, right after the service. So.